off of the Gulf of Mexico, just off of Mexico, just outside of Acapulco, there was a little storm last week. Didn't think it was going to be much. It was just supposed to be a small little uh, rain event and things like that. It wasn't supposed to be much, and even up to the moment that this small little, uh, not that significant hurricane hit, they weren't saying it, w- it wasn't going to do much. And then all of a sudden, just in, in almost moments, it blew up to a Category 5, came across shore, and not only took lives, but it rearranged the land and the people and the brought devastation. It was, it, was, it was just terrible, and it just happened all at once. It just, it just sort of came up. And I thought about that as I was praying for him this week and everything that was going on. And sometimes I think that that's how we see life. That's how we see things going on. I was doing fine. I'm going along. And I got this little event. It's not so much. Then all of a sudden, it blows up. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and what little thing comes this big thing. And what something shouldn't be uh, too hard. All of a sudden, and these circumstances are all pulling in around us. And so in life... We have forces that influence and rearrange our life. And these forces come in, and, and these, the, I, I call them future-forming forces that come in and, and rearrange what we're going on. And we try to stand strong against them. And I don't know, maybe you're facing one. Maybe you're dealing with things in your life, in your finances, in your family, in your career, in relationships. I don't know. But maybe you, you have those out there and you're thinking, what do I do and how do I, how do I get through them? I think those are real and God gives us grace for those. But I want to share this morning the most powerful future-forming force that you have in your life. And one that I believe it, it will help us understand what we have to, how do we live this life? Because you see, it's not what happens to us. It's not the storms that blow in all of a sudden and tend to wipe us out. It's what's ha- not to us, it's what's happening inside of us. The strength that, that God has for us inside of us. You see, when you believe something, really believe it, it tends to come about. And the reason is, is because what you believe is forms your premises. And every premise you have forms your action. So you look at an action and you think, I don't like this action, or this is not a good action, or this isn't a healthy action, or whatever it is. This, the thing you're struggling with, this, this is a, a bad action, and you try to change your action, and you can't. And the reason you can't is because it is based on a premise, which is based on what you believe. And if you believe this strong enough, then it, it, because it, this premise is what dictates every one of your actions. Let me just give you just a, a real simple uh, analogy. So if, you have, uh, if you're playing golf, I don't know if you play golf. It's God's will that everyone plays golf, just not me. But anyway, uh, you're out there playing golf, and you're playing the best 18 holes of your life. I mean, you've never had a game like this. I mean, every ball going right in. Oh, the putts are perfect. Everything's going great. But somewhere along the line, yeah, keep on dreaming, Seth. <laughs> but, but, but somewhere 
uh, allow along the line, you think, man, this is a crazy game. I'm not this good. And that's a belief that you have, which becomes a premise. And the premise is, I'm probably going to miss this putt because that's based on my belief. And then when we miss the putt, it just reaffirms. So we have, we have the tendency to actually sabotage the very things that we're believing for, the very things that we're asking for, the, that it tends to, to work against us because it all is guided. You see, you will never give everything that God wants in your life. You'll never be able to say, like for another example, tithing. I cannot convince you to tithe. I've learned as a pastor <laughs> over all these 35 years of being in the ministry in one form or another. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't teach you to tithe. Because your tithing, your giving, is based on whatever that is, whatever your generosity level is, to the church or to others or whatever, is based on a premise. And that premise is based on a belief. And the belief is, God won't take care of me, so that means I have to take care of myself, and that's your premise and so everything you do says, I'm going to give, but I've got to make sure I have enough for my, for my stuff. You see, that's your premise. And so it will dictate every, everything you do, every, every way you do. So my goal in the Holy Spirit, I believe this morning, is just to touch your belief. So just like we sang, I mean, every song was just perfectly lined up with the message this morning. Do you believe? Do you believe in the promise of God? What do you believe that God's trying to do in your life? I want to look at a scripture in Matthew chapter 9. And there were two blind people. I love the irony of scripture, okay? So there were two blind people. It says these blind people were following Jesus. You see the, the humor in that? <laughs> I love it. Two blind people, two blind men were following Jesus, right? Two blind people following Jesus. And then it says that Jesus went indoors, and it says that they followed him indoors. And they came to Jesus and they, they wanted to be healed. They wanted to, their eyes to be restored. And I, I just had a chuckle at this. I'm thinking, here's two people that can follow Jesus all the way indoors. And sometimes I can't even see, follow him and I can see. <laughs> but they followed him in there. And obviously it's what they wanted, what, what their eyes to, to, be, uh, to be open. But look what it says in, in, starting in uh, verse 28. It says, Jesus said to them, hmm, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe? They just blindly followed him on the road. Now, whether they were being guided or whether they just heard the crowd and they have great ears and can figure it out, I don't know. But they, it was obvious they wanted to see. But he said, do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe it? They said, yes, yes, we believe it. So he touched their eyes and said, like, here it is, because we're talking about belief. We're talking about overcoming these these forces that come into us and understanding the greatest force that's inside of you right now is what do you believe? Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe that God can take care of you? Do you believe that he has saved you? Do you, do you believe that? you got to understand this. But he, and he said, do you believe? They said, yes. He touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. It wasn't about how much power I had. Did you, did you see that? Yeah. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's, it, it, it's not how many people were gathered around here. It's, it, do you believe that I can do this? And they said, yes. And he says, okay. 
it will be done to you by your faith, according to your faith. Now, you're saying, well, maybe you've been in church for a while and you've heard according to your faith and you understand that. But all that means is what you believe. What do you believe? And he says, do you believe that I can heal you? And they said, yes. And he says, okay, it will be done as you believe. Because you believe. Now, we have it, belief is always attached to something. Belief is never by itself. It's not mind power. I believe, I believe, I believe. You know, you can say that all you want. But unless your belief is attached to something, and he says, do you believe I can do this? <laughs> do you believe in me? And they said, we believe in you. And he says, okay, because of your belief, as according to your belief, it will be done. And he will, uh, uh, he healed them. They saw completely. You see, we become what we believe. <laughs> That's sort of scary, but listen to me. And you're thinking, I'm not there. Well, just wait. We'll, we'll get there. The force of your belief has formed your future and is forming it even right now. Whether you think, I can make that putt, or you're thinking, oh, man, this game is way better than I've ever played. This game's about, I'm not this good, so I probably will miss that putt. I'm just bringing it down to where we live. I'm just, help, help us understand that, everything. You see, we tend to become, and mostly, certainly, we will do what we believe. So this morning, I want to just talk about Future-forming force. What is the future-forming force in your life? And it's simply, I would submit to you, it's what you believe. What you believe. Over and over, Jesus says, do you believe? Are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to risk that? Because if you believe it, you can stand strong in that. Do you believe? And again, it always has to be attached to something. Recently, I was uh, talking to a good friend of mine, a, a doctor, and he was telling me of someone that he had met and, and uh, had learned about. And this uh, individual was a sports psychologist. Now, we know how messed up sports people are, so this actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Just look at my fantasy uh, team and you can understand that. Come on. So... He's a sports psychologist, and what he does is he works with the, with the very, 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 very top. I mean, the, the very, very, very best, and tries to get them, and all that he works with across different fields, from golf to everything he deals with, to be the, the elite. So he's not just dealing with uh, people that you know are just trying to just get up in the morning. These are the people that are excelling beyond everyone else, and how do you get them higher? And what they've come to understand in understanding psychology and stuff is that each one of us has an internal temperature. Now, I'm not talking about a physical temperature. I'm talking about emotional, cultural, uh, uh, everything who we are. We have a, a level, okay, whatever that level is. And it's all different with different people. This is the theory. And what... What, they have to, what happens is we tend to live according to that level, whatever that level is. That's where we'll leave, be at. And so what happens if, if all of a sudden we start doing really well and really well and really well and we get above that level, then something inside our brain says, I'm not this good. 
My marriage shouldn't be working out this well. My finances shouldn't be going this well. Whatever it is, you just plug it in to what's ticking around in your head, something like that, and all of a sudden, you begin to actually sabotage the very things that you want because you don't feel like you don't believe that's who you are. Now, it works the other way as well. It's because if all of a sudden you start underperforming and not doing as well and struggling and is in finding it difficult and things like that, something inside of it says, I'm better than this. <laughs> Come on, I'm better than this. And it sort of moves us up. And, and it, we stay around this level. And so his goal is to try to just uh, kick it up a couple of notches. <laughs> but I, as I listened to that story and I thought about what he was saying and everything that, that came with this, I think, I said, I don't want to just go a couple of notches. <laughs> I don't want to just be a, a, a better version of Greg. I don't want to be a better version of Greg. I need to become Christ-like. I need my, and, and that was the only thing, because this is human psychology, standard human perspective. But from my spiritual understanding to look at this, is saying, you could try to be a better you, and you go from like, you know, 63, I'm 63, I'm going to get to 67. I'm going to, I'm going to go up a little bit more. And you can, you can do that, and maybe you can become a better version of you, you know, and, 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 and impress other people, impress yourself. But I think that's false, far short of where we need to live. We can't, our goal cannot be, I want to become a better version of me. Our goal has to be, I want to become a better version of Christ than I am. I want to, that's our goal, because that's the only thing that will sustain us. That's the only thing that will hold us together. What you believe becomes the spiritual force that is forming you that is moving in, inside of you. Jesus sort of taught on this a little bit. It, and the parable of, you know, the parable of the talents, right? So it, the, the, the master comes and gives one five talent, gives one two talent, and gets one one talent, goes away. And then we know the story. He comes back and he says, okay, now you're accountable for what I gave you. And so the one with the five says, I got ten more, and gives them both, all ten. to him. The one with two says, I got four, and gives them him. And the one with one didn't do anything. And this is where we find an amazing, amazing lesson of understanding of how we're performing and the force of belief that's inside of us. So look at Matthew 25 and look at verses 24 and, 20, uh, 24 and 25. He says, the man with the one. This is his excuse. Listen carefully to his words because you might find them as yours. He says, I knew that you were a hard man. I knew that you were difficult. Har harvesting where you did not or have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Let me just stop there. So I was afraid. The force that was forming his future, literally, <laughs> because it was not good after this. I won't read the rest of that story. But he did not end up well. But the force that was forming his future was founded on fear. It was founded in fear. And therefore, he lost everything. And when, when the force that's forming us is not faith, 
a belief of saying, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to believe God in this, even though it's hard, even though there's a hurricane that just blew up from a nothing to five and it's heading right at me in my life, in my finances, in my struggle, in my marriage, and in my thought life, and what, in my spiritual walk, whatever it is, whatever it is that, that is coming, that is, that's attacking like this, I, I, uh, what, is, what is forming us is fear. And then you will live fear. And fear will play out in your life. I was told this story many times before, but I'll just hit it real quick. I, in, at Oral Roberts University, I was the director of Vespers my senior year, which means it's a, a, a group that meets. And the first night, the speaker, the director, speaks, and the rest of the year, I was responsible for getting speakers. But so I'm going to share a message and speak in this, uh, this Sunday night service. <laughs> and there's going to be about 2,000 students there. So I was so nervous. I was just out of my mind nervous. I've spoken before. In fact, that whole summer, I traveled with a group and we preached every single night. But these were my peers. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, these were, these were them, and that's, I, was, I was just so nervous. And so I tell the story that I was supposed to pick my, my future bride up, and we weren't married, but we were dating, and I was so in love with Lisa. That's all I thought about. How many know what I'm talking about now? Somebody. Some, I'm going to connect with you somewhere in there. So I, I'm just thinking, oh, that's all, I'm, that's all I was thinking. No, okay, listen to what I'm saying. Man, I, I was in love. I still am. And I, if I keep talking about it, then I'll just lose my train of thought. But I was so in love, right? And I was supposed to pick her up and bring her to the service. And I was running around doing things, and all of a sudden I'm walking down the hall, and I see her coming down the hall to the auditorium, and I'm thinking, oh, I forgot her. Totally forgot I mean, didn't even enter my mind. It wasn't, didn't register. It did, there, were, there was nothing like, oh, yes, I've got to get her, and then I got busy. No, no, no. It wasn't like she, it was like she wasn't even in my brain. <laughs> Why? Because I said, oh, I'm so nervous and things like that. And then before I, I went out and we did the service, I got on my knees and I said, something's not right here. And God gave me such a peace. And so... Sermon was probably too long, but that was beside the point. <laughs> I've learned to do better, so it's okay, guys. You know. That's a long time ago. But I realized it wasn't that I was just nervous because you have to look at the premise behind the action. And it was a fear of failure and a fear of people in front of my peers, in front of the people that I wanted to impress, that I, that I wanted them to think well of me. Not in a bad way. You just, you know, you want them to feel well. And I realized that I was motivated by fear instead of faith. And when we're motivated by fear, when we're controlled by fear, it takes over everything. And it was, it was, it was actually sabotaging my life. I was, by allowing my fear to control instead of trusting and believing in God and believing God was going to... It, it, the thing that I very loved the most was being pushed out. Did you just hear what I said? And fear will push out the very thing you love the most, the very thing that you want the most. Fear of, oh, this is not going to work out, or this is going to go bad, or I, I can't do this because I won't have, or whatever, whatever it, whatever it is, the fear will, will overcome and overwhelm us. And you ask yourself, how can I believe? How can I believe 
the way that God wants. I, I don't want to be controlled by fear. And I just want to give you a, just a couple of very simple thoughts this morning that will help us understand this. And the first one is that you can choose to believe differently. You've got to believe that. <laughs> okay, you're not, you may not be here believing right. I don't believe, okay, fine. I can handle that. We could do with that. But the, the next step, according to what Scripture says, you've got to believe that you can choose. It is possible. And, man, that's a big hurdle. You, think, you don't think it is. But if you just think, I can't change, I can, this is who I am, this is what I do, then you've got that imprinted on you, and you will never change until you just come to the point. I'm not saying that, that you've got to choose all right right now. I'm just saying you've got to believe you can choose. <laughs> Let's start with that. Let's start with the ability that God has given us to choose correctly, to make right choices, to believe and trust in Him. One of the most compelling beliefs, whether positive or negative, in your life will become the reality of your life. And if you just think, well, this is who I am, I'm just, this is my personality, this is what I do, and you keep living that way and believing that instead of believing, I believe I can be different. I believe God, I can choose different. I'm not saying... You have to be a completely different personality, but I'm saying within every, in any personality is the ability to say, but God's able to do this. <laughs> you might be a Debbie Downer. I don't know. I don't know whatever. Hope there's no Debbies here, dear Lord. Uh, or a person that is, that it, see, I believe all mankind is bent down. That's what we do. That's every, every, the natural man thinks down. The renewed spiritual man thinks up. So it's not about my personality is that way. It's like, hey, do you have the spirit of Christ in you? Do you understand Jesus that you're thinking, oh, this is really, really difficult. This is really, really hard. I'm really not doing well. But I believe <laughs> somehow, some way, I mean, we sing it, we worship it, we get all excited. That's incredible worship this morning. Just so good. But do you believe? Do you believe that that's what God is able to do? Do you believe that? Ephesians 4, 17, I love this verse. It says, you must no longer... That means you're doing it. you got to stop. That means you got a choice. Did you see what just happened there? If you are doing it, and the Scripture says don't do that, then there's a potential to not do that. It isn't, that's important to understand. It says you must no longer live as the world does in the, in think, in, in the futility of their thinking. Futility there just means emptiness. It, it's just not having anything. When you're thinking, that's what the world thinks, I can't, I'm not, I don't, I, whatever. And again, this isn't just about a positive message, because it's not about making you more positive by three notches. It's about making you more like Christ. And, it, and, and when we're in Christ, it doesn't mean that we don't have difficulties, or we don't have struggles, or sometimes it's not really, really, really hard. Yes, okay. Yes, it is. But in the midst of all that, I believe in Him. He's standing before you. Right now, this morning, in your life, saying, do you believe? Do you believe for your family? Do you believe for your finances? Do you believe in your, in your spiritual walk? Do you believe? Do you believe? And, you, and we need to say, yes, we believe. And then make that real and make that authentic in our life. Don't live your life with worthless thoughts like the world does. Don't live that way. Because they won't produce good works. <laughs> Worthless thoughts produce because it's the premise. Belief establishes the premise. The premise in your life will dictate your actions. And you think, ah, I don't like doing this. Okay, then you need to stop and say, what's the wrong premise? What is, what is all this based on? 
God doesn't love you. So if you're having a problem with your, with your marriage or, or whatever, just hypothetically and, and everything is going, you're thinking, oh, this is all, this is all wrong and, and, and if I'm responding wrong and I'm not doing right. What is that? Then you go that and you, the, the premise is, he doesn't love me, she doesn't love me, whatever. That's the premise. Okay, but what is that premise? That may not be true. Premises aren't necessarily true or false. They just are. So what happens is you think about that premise, and then you've got to back up and say, well, what's the belief? The belief is I'm unlovable. So of course, of course she wouldn't love me. So of course then I will do what I can, in on, even on a subconscious level, to sabotage the very marriage that I'm believing for. So what I'm doing this morning, we're trying to skip over the premise and get to the belief. What do you believe? Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe he cares for you? Do you believe he will bless you? This all goes back to giving. This, we're talking Wednesday night, uh, last week Wednesday, and this Wednesday in Core Life, we're talking about understanding how to live a generous life, how to, how to be uh, uh, understanding and trust God with our finances, how to be a good steward. We talked about all that last Wednesday. But when it comes to this, if you don't really believe that God will bless you, <laughs> then you're not going to give. In anything, you're not going to give kindness to your spouse. You're not going to give generosity. And it's sometimes it's not a natural thing for us to do that because, remember, we're bent down. So Lisa and I were coming home, and I'm going to tell on myself a little bit because you guys think I'm perfect, and I am most of the time. But uh, why is that funny? Anyway, so we're in the car. We're driving home. We're visiting some friends uh, across... Uh, State. We were driving home yesterday and came up there and I'm getting on the highway and there's like six cars in front of me, you know, and I had this thing about, okay, if you're the car in front of the, of the line, you have first light responsibility. How many know about first light responsibility? That means get off your flipping phone, look at that light, don't talk to your husband, don't talk to your wife, you just stare at that light because when you move, everyone else will. How many? Come on, somebody. The biggest hallelujah I get all day. But anyway... So that's me. That is me. I'm, I'm sorry. That's me. And I'm, I'm sitting there because I'm talking to them. I talk to them. I, you know, I don't honk because they, they could shoot you. Don't do that. You live in Florida, and there's Florida men and women everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you don't live in Florida, it's not like that at all. So, so, so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the guy is talking to someone begging on the side of the on, on the road right there in, in right there in the middle of the road begging, so he's talking to him and I'm thinking okay okay that's, be nice to him but you know the light's going to turn but like and the light turns and he doesn't go because he's talking so I'm like something right rises up and, and and then he finally goes I said okay that's not bad but then the second car waits pulls up stops with the green light and pulls out and gives the guy money I'm like what's he thinking. It's a green light. You don't give money at green lights. Everybody knows that. And so then he goes. And I'm, by, by this time, I'm, ha- I'm by here. Okay. How many know what I'm talking about now? I'm, I'm just right here. And then the third car, not to be outdone, does the same flipping thing. Stops, rolls down the window. Why would your window not already down? Sticks out the arm. Wants to get the gratitude back. And I'm just thinking, man, I don't know. I don't remember what I said. It was nothing bad, because I don't say bad things. But it, except in my heart, I was just thinking, now's not the time to be given to this man. What are you trying to do? And Lisa, 
just not missing a moment, just not letting anything, because it's, oh yeah, we will want them to be generous to this homeless man on the side of the road. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, see, my heart, my belief system, I said one thing, but it didn't match, because it was probably based on a premise that I was more important than he was, that right now, me making this light. Oh, making the light. That's much more important. I think that's what she said. Making that light, that's much more important than just helping a homeless man eat dinner that night. Don't you laugh at me. You guys know, you know you do the same thing. You see, by choosing right thinking and really what you're believing, you'll make right choices. My thinking was wrong because my premise was wrong because my belief system was wrong. And God wants to change that belief system. What do you think Nehemiah believed? I don't know if you know the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a servant and in the king of Babylon. He was a slave, literally. And then he was a food taster he for the king so the king wouldn't be poisoned. The Nehemiah would die first. And the king saw Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was all upset. This is not a good moment if you're the king. What's wrong with you? Are you okay? Are you okay? I mean, Nehemiah could never have, he had to have one of those poker faces all the time. I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> because you would freak the king out. And he says, no, I'm, I'm so heartbroken because my city is falling apart. Jerusalem doesn't have, uh, it's just in ruins. So the king allows him to go back to take a crew, gives him money, gives his finances, gives him everything. But in the end, <laughs> it wasn't about that. Because I love Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20. It says, the God of heaven, this is Nehemiah declaring, the God of heaven will give success. The God of heaven will do that. I believe that God will give me success. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Or you believe God doesn't want to make you successful? I'm not saying we won't ever have struggles. I'm not saying you won't be persecuted and have to give your life for Christ. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying along the way, we can live and think that, and understand that God wants to give us success in our life, in our heart, in our marriage. What do you think David felt when he came against that giant? What did David believe? What was his belief? What did he think when he faced that giant? There's little bitty David, big old giant. I love 1 Samuel 17, 46. He says... I will strike you down. I will cut off your head and feed your body to the birds. What did he believe? God was going to win. It didn't matter if he just had a, a little slingshot. It didn't matter if he had a, the giant had armor and had a spear and had everything. It didn't, none of that made any, made any difference. He believed. What did he believe? Now, those are great stories, but I want to share one more. What do you think Peter believed when Jesus was walking on the water? He said, come on out. What did Peter believe? What did he believe? Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, he, uh, Jesus said, <clears throat> Peter said to Jesus, tell me to come and I'm going to walk on the water. I love that. You tell me, you say it, and I'll walk on the water. What did he believe? He believed in the word of Christ. He did, it wasn't about, I believe I'll be able to float <laughs> It wasn't about it. He believed in the word of Christ. So he gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. He stood on that. He believed in that. 
He understood everything that God was, uh, was doing at that moment. He believed in Christ. But, of course, you know the story, right? All of a sudden, it says he, he uh, saw the wind and he sank. And Jesus pulled him up. Why did Peter sink? Why did Peter sink? Was it because he took his eyes off Jesus? No, that's superstition. Fix your eyes on Jesus, just like that. Because you see, there are waves and there is wind in your life. And saying there is no waves and there is no wind, not going to make those things go away. There is waves, there are wind. But why did he sink? Jesus tells us. He pulled him up and said, Oh, how come you didn't believe? How come you doubted? Oh, you of little, little faith. He didn't say because you turned your eyes off me, he didn't say because you got distracted. You stopped believing. He wasn't walking on anything except the word of Christ who said, come. So he was walking on that. I'm walking on water because I'm walking on Jesus said, come. And sometimes we have to believe and just say, man, I am walking on nothing but the word of God. God says he's going to heal me. I'm walking on that. Come on. Come on. God said he's going to heal my marriage. I'm walking on that. God said that he's going to bless me and take care of me. I'm walking on that. doesn't matter what I see or what the inflation, deflation, reflation, whatever it is. I'm walking on that. I'm trusting what God is trying to do in my life. What are you walking on? What do you believe? What do you believe? One more story. A man brought his son to Jesus who was overwhelmed by a demon who threw him in the fire and did all, all terrible things to him. Just terrible things. And look what it says in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Jesus said to this father, all things are possible for the one who believes. I love this verse. If we could, I just let that soak in your heart and your mind for a spirit, for a moment in your spirit. It's just all things. Jesus said all things are possible for one who believes. Believes. Not just believes. Not, remember, belief it always has to be attached to something. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that in Christ? All things are possible for those that believe. Immediately the father cried, I, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help, help this that I, that I am struggling with. You see, you need to understand, belief is not believing perfectly. But believing in the perfect one. You don't, it's not that I have to believe perfectly and thinking the only way that I'm going to have a success in my life is to believe perfectly. No, you need to believe in the perfect one. You need to believe in Christ. It all comes back to Jesus and your life with Jesus and your trust in Jesus and what you're doing and believing what Jesus is able to do in your life. Because you see, believing is very different than trying to believe. Believing is very different than I'm, I'm, I'm trying to believe. I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to make this right. That sports psychologist I told you about, one of his clients and people he worked with are Jack Nicholson, golfer, right? So he had him come speak because he had all these men he's working with and he had Jack come speak and Jack uh, would speak and uh, he, he shared everything and this is something, in the midst of his speech, Jack Nicholson said, hey, he said, I have never missed a putt less than 15 feet or less on the last hole 
of a tournament. Never, ever, ever. Now, there was a man sitting there thinking, I'm a real golf avid, and I've seen that video, and yes, you did. I remember. I remember the thing. So he said, excuse me. He said, I remember this. Didn't you do that? He said, no, 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 you got it wrong. It probably wasn't the last day. He said, no, no, I remember it was the last day. He said, no, 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 it probably wasn't the last stone. He said, no, no, I remember it was the last stone. Finally, this went back and forth a little bit because the man was just, like, confused. And so Jack Nicholson, bam, slammed his hand on the podium and said, I have never in my whole life missed a putt 15 feet or less on the last stone and stormed out. So the man comes up afterwards and talking to our psychologist friend and he said, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make him upset. And this, and <laughs> this psychologist said, okay, you need to understand a couple things. Number one, uh, in his mind, he never did. And he never will. And he never could. In his mind, every time he gets to that last hole that's 15, uh, that's a few feet away, and he's got his club in his hand, he knows, I've never missed a putt this short and I won't now. That's the way he thinks. <laughs> That's the way you have to be. And he said, but secondly, I, I brought you here to see what he thought, to see, understand his thinking, not for you to change his thinking. And I think very often we come before God and we try to change God's thinking. We say, God, don't do it this way. Don't act this way. Don't move in my life this way. And we try to do that instead of saying, God, what are you trying to do in my life? Let my thinking, that's what it means to have the mind of Christ. That's what it means to think and have our minds renewed. I'm going to think like he thinks. So when his word says he's going to bless, bless me, I'm going to do it. If I'm walking through the muck and the mire and the valleys and it's difficult, I will be saying it walking through the muck and the mire and the difficulty, God will bless me every step I have, every place I go, every place I put my foot, because that is the way that we must believe in who Christ is. Until one day, whether in glory or in the next day or in the next moment, he makes that the, the reality of the circumstances fit the reality of who we are in Christ. Don't let the circumstances dictate your reality Allow the Christ in you to dictate the reality of what you believe. You received the word this morning. Come on, give God thanks for what he's doing. Lord, we give you thanks and honor and glory. God, with all my heart, I pray that you would just help us understand what does it mean to believe and to trust you. And God, this morning we declare in our, in our marriage, in our finances, at work, with our children, with our parents, wherever it is, and whatever career path, with our spiritual walk and everything, God, we believe. We believe in you, God. We believe and we trust in you. We believe in what you're doing, God, and we trust no matter how, how the world falls apart or the shootings and the wars and the things that happens around us, God, we trust in you, and we believe in your goodness, and we're going to keep believing and keep trusting in all that you are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, if there's anyone here that's watching this video or in this room, in the sound of my voice, that has not given their heart, where they believe that you are the Son of God, they've given their life, they've surrendered everything over to you, God, I pray that right now, in their heart, in their life, they would pray with me, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And remove all of that from me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. And we pray for that. 
And we agree together with that. In the name of Jesus. Amen.